Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. It really is good to stand up in front of you guys and see everybody's faces. Let me start with a question. Who here loves the Olympics? Anybody? Okay, we got a couple there. Uh, if I have my information correct, next summer we have Olympics, right? Yeah, all right. Uh, Paris, I think they beat us out. To- well, Tokyo is a great place to have it too. That's even better. You know, there you go. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I was talking to my wife about it, and I was saying, uh, yeah, I'm so excited about the Olympics because it happens every four years. And she reminded me, no, the Olympics actually happens every two years. And um, I honestly don't really think very much about the Winter Olympics because didn't grow up. I'm from Louisiana. didn't grow up with a lot of winter sports. Uh, but the Olympics happens every two years. Uh, but for me personally, I love seeing uh, the red, white, and blue uniforms. Uh, when I was a kid, one of the things that I would do in our backyard, uh, amongst the other uh, sports-related things I did in our backyard, was I would go stand in the backyard with my hand over my heart and picture the day that I got to sing the national anthem of our country and receive my Olympic gold medal. But think about that. If it was for real... What would it be like to be the best in the world at something, anything, to be the absolute best in the world? Uh, And and probably the reason that I love the team sports the most in the Olympics is because it's just so exciting to see time expire. And again, it's international sports, so they count up. But when time expires, you see these guys and gals jumping and celebrating together because as a team, they put it all together. They focus, they train together, they show such discipline, and they focus it all towards a single goal, a gold medal. It's pretty awesome to be the one that actually gets it after all that work. Um, Today, I want to remind you, because you're seeing the title is the dream team of a team that was just that. It was a dream team. In 1992, the USA, uh, I guess, uh, Olympic Association or whatever they call it, decided, hey, here's an idea. Since the rest of the world's already starting to do this, why don't we start using professionals on our teams? Let's put together a dream team, a basketball team that wasn't just, uh, you know, good players, but literally the best players, best players in the world. And now that you look back, I think we have a picture here of that team. Uh, honestly, for any boy that grew up in the 1980s, probably any girl too, uh, this was uh, the best basketball players you'd ever seen. Uh, I played uh, a little bit of basketball. I wasn't very good growing up. Uh, but I would play like I was Michael Jordan every single time. And I would, I would bounce down the court, and I would do my layup just the way Michael would have done a layup if he couldn't slam dunk the ball. Um, but I would always picture myself as part of this team. And the idea of being a part of a team like this where every single position, every single person was the best that had ever been uh, was exciting to me because just imagining what it would be like to put all those power, all those abilities, all that training together into one team and win that gold medal, to finally be able to have that medal on me. That was an exciting idea to me. Uh, but this time of year, we think we think about a lot of uh, team sports. Maybe you're one of the many parents who is going to soccer games. Uh, I see this all the time. We live across the street from Almanzar Park, so I see the kids running around, see those teams. 
or the many, many uh, football fans out there. Uh, but we think a lot about teams this time of year. Uh, again, today we're going to go ahead and act as though there are no football teams in L.A. because I know there's some uh, some sad feelings. Uh, and honestly, when I was preparing this, I also forgot that we have the Rams and the Chargers. I'm still getting used to that whole thing, so forgive me for that. But in L.A., we have a lot of really good teams we get to watch regularly. Uh, one team would be the uh, Stanley Cup champion uh, L.A. Kings. That's literally just for Cliff. Um, <laughs> but they've won two Stanley Cups in the time that I've been in L.A., so I think they're awesome. Uh, for the soccer fans out there, there's the L.A. Galaxy. Sorry, this picture is kind of bad, but um, we do have soccer. We have two teams. Uh, but the Galaxy have won five MLS Cups, which for you that don't know what that means, that's the cup that they give you when you win Major League Soccer. There you go. Uh, not a, I don't know if everybody likes them, but I don't know. Who knows? Uh, the next is the Dodgers. This is kind of exciting right now because we're right in that stretch. They've already clinched the division and hopefully they'll win a World Series. But they've won six World Series in franchise history, and we've gone to two straight, so maybe this year will be the one. But probably the best team in all of L.A. is the Lakers. And anybody who's been to uh, to uh, the Staples Center, which I've only been able to go to one basketball game uh, because somebody gave me tickets. There's no way I can afford those tickets. But... Uh, they've won 16 championships in franchise history, second only to the Celtics. I probably shouldn't have said that. I should have just said, we won 16 championships. Um, and then let's see, there's one more team. Um, well, I just put this on there just for any Clippers fans. Two Pacific Division championships. Yeah, there you go. I know there's somebody, some Clipper fans. We can get that down, okay. Um but as fans, this time of year, we watch our teams and our hearts pound because we get to watch what it looks like for people to pull together. And teams are built to accomplish a goal. And so it, you don't have to be a sports person. Some people are out there going, ah, sports, you know, whatever. You don't have to be that big into sports to enjoy uh, the, the thrill of a team pulling together. Honestly, at work, personally, whenever we work on a long project, and I, I can look around and I see we all pulled together and we turn in this project and it was good. And you go, wow, work's not always exciting. That's exciting. Turning in a project and being like, we work together as a team. That's really exciting. When you watch a movie, you probably don't think about this or you're binge watching something on Netflix. Uh, you're watching the culmination of a team working together. There's a lot of people from everybody from the craft services serving sandwiches on site to the director, the producer, the actors. Everybody's pulling together as a team to get towards the goal. Uh, your favorite restaurant is a team sport in a way. Uh, even Thanksgiving dinner, you have a lot of people pulling together to make family-type things happen. Your family is a team. But anytime people band together to accomplish a mission or a goal, there's a team. Uh, so today what we're going to be talking about is um, is how God bands us together. And I wanted to show, this is kind of a cheesy quote, but this is probably the quote in, that I, I say the most uh, in the world. But teamwork makes the dream work. It's from uh, John Maxwell. And honestly, I find that it fits so much in almost everything that we want to get done. As humans, um, we want to get things done. And honestly, we'd like our lives to count for something. 
And so how do we go about that? Well, teamwork makes the dream work. Just seeing people pull together makes it seem a little bit possible that we could be a part of something big. And as a church, um, God has called us to a massive mission that the whole world would know what Jesus Christ has done for us and that he can change his change lives. And unlike the 1992 uh, U.S. Olympic Committee, um, God looks around and he says, I'm going to put together a dream team, but I'm not going to be gathering just a bunch of professionals, the best of their positions. God actually looks around at men and women like us and says, I'm going to use normal people putting together their gifts, the gifts that I've given them, that are willing to yield their time, energy, resources to move towards my mission. If they're willing to do that, then I'm going to bless that. I'm going to use them. So in this series, we're actually going to be looking at the life of a guy named Paul. And uh, today we're kind of looking at the beginning of his life. Uh, But Paul was an early church starter. And um, God really used him to do a lot of things. So uh, if you're a follower of Christ, hopefully uh, today as we talk about this, this will just be an encouragement to you. Uh, to pull together and um, and really uh, double your efforts as we work together towards God's mission. Um, but if you're still checking out God and you're you're wanting to answer some or have questions about following Christ, hopefully this will give you a better idea of what what we're doing here. Like why are we why do we do this church thing? Why do we need to pull together? Um, so getting started, we're going to look at um, how God radically transformed. Uh, the life of a guy named Saul, who later became Paul. So I'm going to call him Paul, but I don't want that to be confusing to anybody. If you need to know why, you can Wikipedia that later, or we can talk about it after the service. Um, but Paul uh, is the person we're going to be talking about today. So if we can start, we have the scripture here. It uh, starts in Acts chapter 9, verse three, uh, 3 through 9. It says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice uh, say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Uh, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go in to sit in the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Okay, so I just read that verse, but I kind of brought you in in the middle of this thing, kind of like a movie of some sort. I can't think of a director that does that. But uh, but basically, we need to take a step back and realize um, Paul uh, was not a, a believer in Jesus, wasn't a Christian. Um, God does some things later on in his life that are pretty amazing, but... Uh, he was a, a Jewish leader at this time, kind of a rising star, and he really hated this Christianity thing. He didn't understand what they were doing, and um, Christians uh, at this time, people who followed Jesus were uh, were Jews who had uh, been part of the synagogue, and they started to see that what they had learned previously lined up with this message of what Jesus was doing here on earth. And um, Paul didn't like this. And so he actually had gone to the high priest to get letters so that he could actually go to the different synagogues and uh, have these Christians thrown in jail. So that's where we start. He's breathing threats, literally, as 
this light from heaven hits him right in the head, knocks his, his sight out. The people around him don't really know what's going on, but something miraculous has just happened. Now, each one of us had to have come to a point like this. Maybe you didn't have a light blind you, but all of us have to come face to face with, what are we going to do about Jesus? Is he who people say he is? Is he God? Is he someone that you can trust? Is he someone that you can follow? And Paul, because of kind of who he is, God knew he needed something radical to happen to change his life. So we see here that Paul was struck by this light, and he's completely blind, completely vulnerable, and he asks, wait, who's doing this? And Jesus explains to him that he's the one that he's been persecuting, the person that he's been trying to fight against. And so Paul is at this point having to figure out in his life, what am I going to do with this? Obviously, if I was completely struck blind and I was a God-fearing person, I probably would think, okay, I need to make a turn. And that's really what Paul did. Uh, but Paul came face-to-face with, with Jesus. Um, but he needed some help as he's making this transition. And so God actually was working in another place called Damascus, like they were on the road to Damascus. And this guy in the town of Damascus, God speaks to. Separately, completely separate situations. So in verse uh, 10 through 19, he says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told, uh, told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard reports of this man and the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come to uh, come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their king, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So we've just witnessed a, a, a miracle take place. And God is working in two different places at the same time, which is a pretty interesting thing. That's the way God works. He's working, actually, as I'm speaking, in each one of your hearts as you're hearing, and he's doing things, which is an amazing part of what we do here in church on Sundays. Um, or actually as a church any day of the week. Um, but God speaks to Ananias, and Ananias knows who this guy is that God has blinded. But God uses Ananias, and honestly, Ananias having to have courage to work in Paul's life. And it's pretty amazing when you look at what we're going to see happens in Paul's life later to realize that it starts with the kernel of one guy being faithful to do what God says, to go talk to Paul. Uh, 
in just kind of a side note here, he said, God had said that, um, he's chosen Paul to go and bring this message about Jesus to the Gentiles. So anytime you hear Gentiles, if you haven't heard this thing before, you can almost put in there everybody else. Like at this time there were Jews and there was Gentiles. So Jews and everybody else. So just think about that. God was using, uh, Paul, this guy that he's just struck blind to reach all of us because we're kind of the everybody else through his mission. And so Ananias did what God said. So he's a fir- the first person you kind of see team up with Paul. Uh, but Paul's a very high capacity person. So immediately God starts using his gift. So if we look in verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once. He began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned uh, Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in a wall. So we see first that when Paul got there and Ananias you know, helps him get unblind, however that works, and uh, God starts working in Ananias' life. He stays with this group of disciples, early people who are following Jesus, and he's learning and doing things, and then he starts working. Uh, so we see that there's uh, that he's, he's being effective, that God's using his gifts in this town, this place that God sent him, and people start coming to Jesus because of his work, and he starts having opposition come up against him. So the people that he's leading towards Christ, that he's choosing, they're choosing to follow Jesus, are actually helping him now. So they've kind of started to team up with him. So not only has he helped him, them get to know Jesus, but they're helping him flee when he has opposition come up against him. So we see this kind of team building wherever, uh, wherever Paul's going. People are helping him. He's helping them. And then uh, the mission is moving forward. Another person uh, that becomes really important to uh, to Paul uh, is found in this next place that he finds after he flees Damascus, uh, which is found in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples that were in Jerusalem, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. So everywhere he goes, everybody seems to know exactly who he is and what he used to be about. And they're trying to figure out, can they trust this guy? It says in verse 27, though, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas really, really helps Paul at a critical time when he can't even connect with his own people, much less the people that he's come uh He's come to share Christ with Barnabas helps kind of mediate, kind of vouch for Paul and the change that's happened in his life. So Barnabas here is teaming up with Paul to help connect him with a group of people. Um, 
So we see this start, this pattern start to form over and over throughout Paul's life is he's coming to places, he's effective, he's teaming up with the people that are there. He starts having opposition and then those people kind of help send him out to the next place. Um, finally, in verse 28 and 30, we kind of see a conclusion of this, this part of the story. It says, so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the pattern is is happening over and over and over of Paul coming in, God using him, opposition coming up. But honestly, you see throughout the story believers teaming together to keep the mission moving forward. Honestly, this is kind of the same pattern that we see in the life of Jesus happening here in the life of Paul. And the mission doesn't stop. I know oftentimes when I'm reading these stories in the scripture, I keep thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is going to die and all of this is going to stop. But it just doesn't stop. And uh, as we look through the story of Paul, there's tons and tons and tons of names. And we don't have time for it this morning. We've already read a lot of uh, chapter 9. Uh, but I would encourage you to kind of explore the life of Paul. Basically, you can start in Acts chapter 8, go all the way to Philemon. And basically everything in the middle is all about this journey and all the people that he met. And I made a shortcut for you this morning, this incomplete list. And I call it incomplete list because honestly, you start reading this, you start going kind of crazy because you're thinking, I thought we already heard about that guy. Um, also, every once in a while, he'll throw all an, all the brothers and sisters as Paul is talking about things and you go, well, I lost count now. And then there's elders of the church, but there's all these people that you see throughout the scriptures that teamed with Paul. Now, I could have very easily made a list of all the people that were against Paul because that was tons and tons of people. But we see this amazing list of teammates. And then there was guys like uh, Timothy and Titus, Barnabas, uh, eventually John Mark, guys who were trained by Paul And he could actually go ahead and send them out to do the same thing he was doing so that it wasn't just him working as uh, as one person in a place. And if Paul's not there, God's not working. He could actually send these people because they could be trusted. And honestly, they were the kind of character that he was, the kind of people that were not not only focused on the mission, but they were willing to suffer for the mission. So it's a really amazing story. I would really uh, encourage you to take some time and read through it. But there's a lot that could be said about Paul's life uh, that we're we're looking to create here as a church. Uh, four lessons from Paul's life that uh, that I might want to pull out here is one is he focused on the mission. Jesus had given him a very clear mission for what his life was going to be about, and he focused all of his time, energy, resources, gifts, everything on accomplishing that mission. And for each one of us here, God has a very specific mission. And as a church, we have a mission. Uh, so that's something that we can emulate from Paul. The second is Paul, for all of his gifts and all the amazing things that God could do through his life, was absolutely not a one-man show. He teamed with people. And some of these seem kind of uh, haphazard, like God just kind of put people around him. But that really is the way it kind of works. As a church... God puts people around us to encourage us when times when we're down, as well as help us as we're trying to pull together to do his mission. So Paul, even though he, he could have 
easily tried to do this, was not a one-man show. Finally, he, uh, or second or third, he cared for people. Everywhere that he went, he didn't just uh, go and then forget about people and move on. He actually followed up on people. He thought about people. He prayed for people. He would send resources to people. It wasn't out of sight, out of mind with Paul. He, uh, he kept up on people. And uh, honestly, that's something that we definitely can do as well. And finally, he accomplished his mission. This is an amazing uh, thing that you can say about the life of Paul is that when it was all said and done, he had accomplished his mission. In Romans uh, chapter 15, it says, Therefore, I glory in, Je- in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except that Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. And uh, the ancient world was a little bit smaller than we had now. We, uh, the world that, that we live in now, they, they didn't have airplanes. They couldn't go places the way we could travel. But just to be able to say in your lifetime, you took on a massive goal, like reaching the known world, and he did it. He did his part of what God had given him to do. Uh, that's definitely something that, uh, that we should seek to do. So how, how do we do this? How can we increase our impact? We can increase our impact by teaming together to accomplish the mission. So I want to uh, share kind of an illustration, which is on the front of your uh, front of your handout or your program, but also it's just this picture right here, and it's a scrum. Anybody here rugby fans? All right, cool. We got two. <laughs> More people like the Olympics, but there you go. Um, a scrum is kind of a picture of what we do uh, when we team together. Basically, uh, to, to perform the scrum, you braid yourself together. So you lock arms with the people in the front, and then the two people that are behind them kind of stick their heads underneath, and it becomes one mass of men braided together to move the, the, the crowd, the pile forward. Sorry, I'm not that good at rugby myself. But to move everything forward, they lock together. And this is a good way to get away from having to just smash into each other uh, like you do in football, is to braid together, to lock together. It's a picture kind of of what we're trying to do because um, all the force of the whole can be directed forward. So two things that we can learn that we can definitely do here as a church is to get together, get connected or getting connected, and pushing in the same direction. So how can we team to accomplish the mission? Getting connected. What does this look like? Well, it could be as simple as joining in. Um, At Church in the Valley, you'll hear us sometimes talk about membership or joining a team like John was talking about, joining a group, uh, being a part. It's not like a, a golf club where you can say, oh, I'm a member, you're not a member, that sort of thing. The picture that we have here is that we're joining in and saying, hey, you can count on me. I want to be a part of that. Uh, That's what it means to join in. Uh, The second thing that you can do to get connected uh, is to invest time. Honestly, the easiest way to invest your time is to get it on your calendar. If you commit to things and you put it on your calendar, it's going to get done. So if you're looking to get connected here, put it on your calendar, make it a priority. Uh, That's definitely something that we can all do. And then uh, the other thing is to think about others. Who can I team with? Who can I connect with here uh, that I haven't connected with before? Honestly, from the stage, it's really easy for me to talk about this because I can look around and say, 
there's all these people. Maybe everybody take a look up and look around at, at all the people that we have here. Uh, these are all people that we can connect with and God can use as we combine our gifts together and team together uh, to get connected and work together. So that's the first part. We get connected like we're in the scrum. We tighten up. We get together. But then we have to be pushing in the same direction. If we're not pushing in the same direction, this team is not going to be very effective. We're not going to get very much done. So the one, the first thing that we can do to um, to push in the same direction is to be focused on the same mission. Be focused on the same mission. You know, as a church, we really exist because we want to glorify God. We want to help people get to know Jesus and grow into maturity in Christ. And also along the way that we become more mature in Christ, that we, we're all growing together. That's what we're trying to do. And if we have that same mission and we unite behind our leaders, uh, we can push in the same direction. This is a critical part of teaming together. Uh, the second thing that we can do is contribute. Now, contribution is different for all uh, different people because we're all, we're all a little bit different. Honestly, uh, I've noticed, I got married last year, I had more time when I was single. So time is a resource, maybe if you're single, that you have a little bit more time of, maybe. I don't know, maybe you're way busier than I was or something like that. Uh, there's certain seasons where you have more income than other seasons. Honestly, some of us were gifted with, uh, with jobs where we have more income uh, than others. Uh, some of us have amazing talents, uh, various talents. Obviously, I'm glad I'm not Victor up here singing, uh, but we all have talents that we can contribute uh, together. Uh, but as we contribute, we're able to make the mission uh, move forward. And then finally, a way that we can push in the same direction is by following well or leading out. So sometimes uh, we're called to step up and lead out, lead the charge. Paul was a very specific, uh, a very gifted leader. And God called him in his lifetime to step up and lead out. And I'm very thankful that he did because his example uh, encouraged me all the time. Uh, but a lot of times, the best thing that we can do is find uh, the leaders that God is already leading in a certain direction, get behind and follow. And God really does bless us as we follow well. This is something that's very highly valued in his kingdom. As we follow leaders who are also following Christ, um, that's how we can all pull in the same direction. So I want to encourage you in those two things, that uh, if you're looking for ways that you can team together, that we really do get connected. We pull in the way God pulled together the group around Paul and that we push in the same direction, that we all push together with all that we have to multiply the impact for the mission that we have. And at Church in the Valley, there's a lot of opportunities right now if you're looking to get connected and to pull in. Uh, one, like like John was talking about early is, earlier, is the service teams. Sunday service teams, first impressions, uh, sight and sound, hospitality, and set up facilities. There you go. Uh, those are all opportunities to make what we happen here on Sunday mornings go. Honestly, there was a time uh, where we thought maybe we might be meeting outside today. Uh, when we pull that together, you really can see uh, that these teams are the, they, they make what we do here on Sunday mornings go. And if, if you haven't uh, considered uh, being in a group and you want to know more about that, um, we actually on the connection card in this section I've kind of circled here, uh, there's no space for it, but you can just write in that you're interested in joining a team and, uh, and we'll, we'll get more information to you and sign you up for a team or give you more information about the team. Uh, the next thing is the groups that are signing up. 
right now. Uh, we just started our group this Thursday. And again, it's just an encouraging time just to band together to hear how people are doing and uh, also just to, to know that these are people that we can, uh, as we get to know each other better, uh, that we can represent the community uh, that God uh, that God is building here. That to the rest of the world, we can uh, we can represent um, the community that's different than the way the world looks, and uh, we can be a light as we pull together as a group. Uh, a final thing that we can do as a church, or that we're doing as a church, is meetups. Now, these are kind of a little bit more uh, informal things, but by just getting together and doing fun things. We have an opportunity to invite people who uh, who have never been around the church, you know, service on Sunday, who've never been around us uh, to come on in. Neighbors who maybe don't have a uh, connection or uh, coworkers that have never uh, met your friends. Uh, these are opportunities for us to do something fun and kind of connect together. Uh, but all three of these are, are things that we do as a church corporately together uh, to be able to pull together and maximize uh, the, the team effort. Um, I want to encourage you to to consider those things. Uh, But honestly, I was thinking uh, as I was preparing for this message back to when we started this campus and kind of all the images and things that I remember when the first time we walked onto Mark Keppel's uh, high school's campus where we we first started meeting. And it was completely uh, empty. And, you know, the janitors did a good job, but it was kind of a dirty, uh, dirty, dirty hallways and things like that. And we turned that into a space. Oh, sorry for anybody that goes to Mark Apple High School. Uh, uh, but we turned that space together into a place uh, where people can connect, where people could hear about God, uh, where we could worship together. We did that together. As we reached out to people in the neighborhoods to let them know that, hey, a church is starting, we did those things together. I remember kind of the thrill the first time somebody that I had invited actually came uh, to one of the services, and you go, wow, it worked. It happened. And they knew some people there, and it was because we had been connecting and getting to know each other. Uh, that's exciting. And I think back to all the times that, you know, guys that are in this room, a lot of us prayed together for people uh, to, to come, to that we could invite people to things that we're doing, that we could pray for our friends that don't know Christ, uh, that we could team together to do this. And honestly, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing together is teaming together to move God's uh, mission for us forward. And uh, we each can be a part of that. If you're thinking about it, trying to figure out your place in it, there's plenty of opportunities to pull in together. And, um, and we really can make an impact in what God has for us. Uh, so I want to encourage you in that today. As we wrap up, I'll ask the band uh, to come up. And we have a couple next steps for you um, to think through. One next step for you might be uh, to join a team or a group at Church in the Valley. Like we said, you can sign up for that on the connection card, but maybe that's what you need to consider. Maybe ask some questions, find out more about that. The the next thing would be uh, to look at your schedule and think, think through how you can connect with others. For me, sometimes it's just as simple as I need to clear my calendar so I have time for people. Maybe that's your next step. The third thing is to choose to use your abilities and resources to help the, uh, the team accomplish the mission. Um, so I hope uh, this message was helpful for you this morning. Uh, over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more about uh, Paul and his team. So we get started and we're heading off on a mission 
We're all together as a team. How do we keep unified? That's what we'll be talking about next week. How do we keep unity in our team so that we don't get off track? And then finally, what do we do when one of our teammates mess up? That happens inevitably. It's going to happen. So what do we do when a teammate messes up? We'll be talking about that the third week. So would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Dear God, we thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and worship and to hear from your word. And I ask that you would just uh, use what we've talked today to uh, just encourage us all just to commit to banding together, to getting connected and moving forward. God, that uh, we really could make a major impact for you uh, the way all the great teams of the past have. And God, I just pray that you would use this season uh, and all the different things that we're doing to help people connect and, uh, and be a part of what we're doing. Lord, we love you. Amen.